1: Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level
0: podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. This is Making Waves at Sea Level the podcast for those who shake things up in business and are focused on growth and success. My name is Tom Singer, and I have hosted this show for eight years and over 740 episodes. And today's episode, I have a guest. His name is Evan Singer. Now, he's no relation, but I get about 40 inquiries a week from PR people trying to put their clients on this podcast. And because I meet so many people through my job with the Austin Technology Council and through my job as a professional speaker traveling the country working with organizations, I really don't look for people I don't know to put on the show because I cross paths with enough interesting people. However, when I got the thing from his PR person and his last name was Singer, I thought, well, I should at least read what it is. And it turns out that not only is his company exactly the type of company that I like to interview on the show, but they also have an Austin office. So we've got that tie back into my town of Austin, Texas. So Evan Singer, welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. Tom, thank you so much for having me. Uh, Pleasure to be here. So Evan is the CEO of a company called Smart Biz. And what they do is they help smaller, small businesses get loans. They have a platform that helps prepare entrepreneurs on how to apply for those loans. And then they also help the banks originate loans more efficiently through software and services. And I'll tell you what, in the crazy world we live in, finding the right financing and being able to make it easy is probably one of the most important things that entrepreneurs can do. So Evan, tell us a little bit about Smart Biz. Well
1: Tom, uh, you, you really hit the nail on the head with a quick summary. So um, what we, we started the business about 12 years ago. Uh, actually, my father and my grandfather are both entrepreneurs and small business owners. Uh, so I have a, a, a real connection with small businesses. And what we uh, saw out in the market coming out of the recession of 0809 is that many small businesses had a difficult time accessing capital from banks. And when we talked with banks, they said they'd love to serve small businesses, but it's very difficult to do so efficiently and profitably. And so our thesis was to help bring the banks back to the market with technology. Mm -hmm. And so we built a platform where we help businesses build up to get a bank loan. Once they're ready, we will move that package up that loan and move it over to a bank on the other side of the platform. And we work with banks that license software from us. Uh, and services to efficiently originate small loans. And our banks tell us we can take out about 90% of the costs versus their traditional retail side so that they can, they actually want to make these loans. And in so doing, we're able to help, uh, we've actually helped hundreds of thousands of small businesses get access to over $9 billion in capital from banks. So we really focus on helping small businesses get access to low-cost bank loans and we're one of the leaders in the market, in particular, for small SBA loans under $350,000. Uh, and we we will help bank, uh, help banks originate those and help small businesses get them.
0: Nice. Well, I know from my own business going through the pandemic, it was uh, really hard to figure out sort of how to get, you know, access to capital. Uh, it probably would have been nice to have had some help along the way as I was trying to do that. So, as companies are looking at sort of the different types of loan options that are out there and, and what's out there, what are what are some things you've learned that small growth-oriented businesses probably should look for? Yeah. Interestingly, a lot of businesses don't think that they can
1: actually uh, qualify for a bank loan. Uh, and many, we find, uh, have had a bad experience with their local bank and don't actually know that uh, if they come to uh, a, a fintech like SmartBiz, we can actually help them get a bank loan, even if they've been declined or kind of, you know, put through the ringer with their with their local bank. So many of our clients uh, initially actually got rejected uh, for a bank loan, and they don't have to turn towards a, a more expensive alternate uh, uh, loan product. Uh, many of many of whom these are folks should get a bank loan. And it just so happens that their local bank may not be a great option for them.
0: So what, do the, what should someone do if they really feel that they aren't getting the attention that they want from, from those local banks?
1: Well, I mean, they certainly can come to us. Uh, we're at uh, smartbizloans.com uh, and we're, we're happy to help. Um, uh, but, you know, look, we encourage folks to ex- explore their their options. Um, what we find, especially with a recession coming up, uh, finding uh, capital that, that can offer the most flexible terms uh, puts businesses in a position to not only survive a, a recession, but also hopefully thrive. And from a flexibility standpoint, A bank loans typically have the longest terms. And so they're going to have the lowest monthly payments. We also recently introduced a line of credit with interest only payments through one of our bank partners. And so, uh, that's got extraordinarily low monthly payments and that just gives the business a lot more flexibility where their capital isn't going out the door to, to make loan payments. It's, it can be used for marketing or for hiring, uh, or for if there's a great deal on inventory or something else that can help a business really get through a potential potential recession.
0: So speaking of potential recessions, what should companies be doing to prepare if, you know, I mean, there's a lot of talk about recession. We haven't seen it really hit hard, but they're still talking about it. What happens if it happens? What should people be doing now to be prepared for maybe some tough times ahead?
1: Well certainly uh having enough cash in the bank is is a a helpful way to prepare. So the the best time to to get a loan is is often when you're not in desperate need of it. That's when it it's it becomes harder to actually access it. But what we've seen uh businesses do from a preparation standpoint uh is we've seen folks actually invest in marketing now and to not pull back and to 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 keep going um, uh, and to have their business accelerate uh, and so that that's been helpful. I, I mentioned before from an inventory standpoint, like everybody's dealing with inflation, and so if there's an opportunity to lock in, uh, if a small business happens to be uh, selling goods and they can get a good price on more inventory. Uh, I was actually just talking with one small business uh, earlier today about that same thing where they wanted to to get access to capital to lock in a larger inventory purchase, uh, and they were concerned about prices going up in three or six months uh, and how that could actually lock in um, their, uh, their, their price that they have to pay for inventory.
0: So as we look towards sort of inflation and, and all of these other problems – Interest rates are another thing that are going up through the roof. So you probably see a lot of this since you work with banks and, and stuff like that. Is is money getting more expensive? And and what do what do companies need to be thinking about?
1: Uh, it is getting more expensive. Uh, and our banks offer both uh, variable rates and fixed rate loans. So look, a, a fixed rate loan, Tom, is you know can lock a small business into a certain payment each month, and that often makes sense. Though uh, typically with SBA loans, even though they have a variable rate, uh, because the the term on those is so long, and the the loans that we'll facilitate are have ten year terms, even a one or two percent hike in interest rates doesn't increase the monthly payment that much. So our suggestion would be, if you're going to get a variable rate loan. Um, get a longer term. Uh, and your payments might go up a little bit over the next, call it, year or so. But as rates come back down, you'll be able to see your monthly payment come back down. Uh, and uh, if you're going to go with a fixed rate product, uh, then those are available too. And, and our, our, our banks will, will offer those. Uh, and that can help kind of really lock in what that monthly payment's going to be. So that's how I'd think about it if I were uh, giving advice to a small business.
0: So what else should small businesses be thinking about when it comes to this whole world of banking and of, of, of working with fintech companies and, and, and et cetera? What are, what are some some really good tips for companies to be thinking about currently in, in the situation that we're in?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it's an interesting situation. And there's been a couple uh, white papers I've read recently about how more fintechs are actually helping women-owned and minority-owned and veteran-owned businesses uh, than, than banks and, and uh, there's a number of reasons for that uh, but what what we're seeing is over half of our uh, customers that we help are women-owned minority-owned, veteran-owned businesses and so for folks uh, in a minority-owned uh, community and, and running a, a minority-owned small business if a bank's not helping you uh, either we or, or other fintechs uh, are, are able to and so that's um, and that's something that, um, is really important for us, uh, to, uh, and as a big focus area for us to, to really help serve the underserved. And many of those, those, uh, businesses are not well served by banks. And so we're, we're able to help do that and technology can help.
0: So I call the show making waves at sea level. So I look for executives and companies who like to shake up the industry, so, if you got into this business 12 years ago, you were sort of cutting edge. I mean, I know a lot of people out there are now using sort of AI enabled matching for different type of funds and things like that. But you've been doing this for 12 or 13 years. You were you were ahead of the game. So let's let's talk about what got you into this industry and and how did you have to shake things up and what was it like sort of being ahead of the game in this this uh, this world of sort of fintech.
1: Yeah, actually for fintech and small business, it, uh, we, we were one of the first, uh, there, there, there were a few companies getting started when, when we were, uh, and it, it's been a bit of a cycle. So when we got into it, uh, I'd say over the first five years or so, we saw, uh, loads of competitors and then many of them actually, um, started to, to disappear, uh, 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 Kind of right, actually, right before the pandemic, where capital markets started to uh, tighten up a bit, uh, there were some really high-priced lenders. Uh, some of those uh, didn't make it as well, uh, and now we're starting to see some more tightening happen uh, again. Uh, and so it's 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 somewhat um, somewhat cyclical uh, for us. We've had a very similar thesis and vision for the last uh, 10 to 12 years, uh, which is helping to really serve the underserved. And I just talked about women-owned and minority-owned, veteran-owned businesses. That's been our focus uh, for day one. It's also uh, our focus is on helping businesses get access to a bank loan. It's somewhat unique. Uh, there's been a, most of the fintechs are focused on a non-bank loan, which can be often be more expensive. Uh, and... Uh, and, and also many fintechs have have looked at competing with banks, whereas we've really focused on partnering with banks and and uh, through that partnership uh, and also with the SBA, with the government, we felt like that was the the best way to really meet the needs of the small business. So we've had a somewhat different approach. Uh, and our approach also includes not only software, but on the service side, uh, we really offer our small businesses white glove service. And so we combine this sort of unique human element with tech, and uh, that um, that 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 I think works well for us and and for the small businesses
0: that we that we work with. So let's talk a little bit about those services that you offer. What does that what does that entail for the small business, and what does it entail for the bank?
1: For uh, for Asti in particular, which is uh, our bread and butter. Uh, it, it, th- those, those aren't loans that one can do in a fully automated way. And so they require uh, a human touch uh, to uh, help package the loan and, and and also really understand the needs of the small business and what they're going to use the capital for and um, helping to build a, the, the credit story. And so what what that involves is a customer service angle from a service standpoint. Um uh, it, we also, uh, we're what's called a lender service provider. And as part of that, we help our banks with underwriting, uh, and with, uh, and then we also will package a loan, but it, it involves, uh actually a human being calling and talking to a small business on the phone. And we may talk with that business's insurance agent or landlord, uh, and so it's really working with that business to uh, to help put them in the best position to get to get a loan.
0: And then, what are you doing with the banks?
1: Yeah, so we because we're a lender service provider, we actually do those services for the bank, so the bank can outsource those services to us. And so these are services that a bank may do for somebody borrowing a million or five million dollars, but it's difficult for the banks to do it for somebody. That's just borrowing a hundred or two hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. And so we're able to do so in a technology efficient manner that involves real humans. and uh, and we focus on those smaller loans. So we actually do those services for our bank partners.
0: Nice. All right, so Evan, before you came on the show, I looked you up and it said that you were named in two thousand and twenty one, one of the top hundred Stanford alums. And this year, you were named one of the top 25 fintech CEOs. So clearly, you're doing something right with your business because uh, those are both really impressive sort of accolades along the way. So let's shift gears away from what your company does to what have you learned as a CEO and someone who started a company that can really help other people out there who are trying, you know, in in tough times. Because if you started 12 years ago, you know, we were, you know, th- those were tough times too. That was that was coming in out of that that recession. Uh, what what do you think in pure business, away from the, the fintech side, in pure business, what should CEOs and, and other C-level executives be paying attention to currently?
1: Well, uh, <laughs> sounds like you did your research, Tom, and thanks for the, the call out. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's interesting uh, when I think about kind of what other CEOs should do. Uh, I'm not uh, I'd have to kind of understand their business if there's a way I could help them. But in general, and I was just talking to one of my employees uh, who wants to to be a a CEO uh, one day uh, about it and almost as a, a mentor. And one of the things we were talking about is to really always kind of be you. And different things work for different CEOs. There's not one way, uh, but what I'd say is the right way is to be yourself and uh, and and that's that's critical and, and don't try to be something or someone that you're not. Uh, uh, what I've seen is that when you're passionate uh, about something and you're tenacious and you don't give up, and, uh, your, your, yourself, uh, you can really enjoy the journey and ultimately success is going
0: to follow. So it's interesting. Cause you talked about mentoring an employee who wants to go down, down that path. I'm a real big believer that mentorship is so powerful and often so overlooked. How important is it for a business leader to find someone along the way at any stage to sort of mentor them? And, and who were some mentors that you've had?
1: Yeah, so I mentioned uh, initially, Tom, how my family—I've uh, got a family of entrepreneurs and small business owners myself. Uh, but a, a mentor that I had when I was younger uh, uh, was my grandfather, uh, and he's—he uh, he was an entrepreneur and he started up um, several businesses, including a, an energy business, which—which uh, which was fascinating. Uh, but. Um, it, what you know, obviously over time I've had many fantastic mentors. Uh several folks on my board right now uh have been great mentors to me. And uh it's it is, it's so important, Tom. And it's why I attempt to give back uh if there are uh young folks that are looking uh to build companies. Uh And, uh, or, or if they're not not necessarily young, they could be my same age, but they're doing it for the first time.
0: Well, that's one of the things I I tell everybody is mentorship doesn't have to be older to younger because in today's world, sometimes there's some, you know, some, some young folks who, you know, I mean, I'm 56, they can teach us a lot. So, you know, I think mentors don't have to be an age chronologically. Uh, it just has to be someone who's willing to help and show you the way.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So. You obviously manage a lot of people in your company. Your company's continuing to grow. Uh, how do you keep employees motivated in this world of quiet quitting and this world of you know great resignation and everybody expecting that everything's just going to be handed to them? How do you keep employees engaged and working hard?
1: Well, for us, I think what motivates our team, and we've got a, a couple hundred folks now. Um, our, my team is fantastic, and it's such a pleasure to build this business with them. The thing that stands out, though, what I think motivates me and motivates them is uh, what we call the "why." Kind of, why are we doing what we're doing? Um, we're we're a mission driven business, and I've mentioned several times how uh, we're really focused on helping women owned, minority owned, veteran owned businesses. But it, it's also really any any business that isn't well served today. We we think, gosh, if there's a business they're doing a million bucks a year in revenue and they got five or 10 employees and uh, they're profitable, they should be bankable and they should be really well-served by a bank. And oftentimes they're not. And so we look at this, uh, there's a, a huge number of businesses that just aren't well-served, especially by the big banks. And uh, so it, we have a, a lot of personal passion and a mission to serve them. And we feel like we're making a big difference uh, in their lives, their families' lives, their communities' lives, uh, generational lives. And uh, what we've seen is that without access to inexpensive capital, oftentimes these businesses can't grow. And then it affects them and their families, their communities. And it's, um, you know, it's an, an epidemic. And so... We have a lot of passion for the why, and we we oftentimes will bring customers in to talk to us, small businesses that we've helped uh, or we'll highlight businesses that we've helped uh, and and really um, help make their dreams come true. It, it's a super inspiring mission uh, where I, I think it it really helps to to drive all of us uh, to to
0: do better. So it sounds like you have a great culture. What do you do to ensure you have a great culture besides what you just said?
1: Well, look, in the pandemic, it's been a challenge. We have people now in 25 states. (laughs) And so uh, you mentioned initially that we have an office in Austin. We used to just have people at our San Francisco office and at our Austin office. And now we have people everywhere. So we'll fly people in for meetings. We just had an operations team meeting where we flew people uh, into Austin for the week. And we had a marketing meeting in in Denver where we flew everybody into Denver for the week. And so that's, it's really important to get the face time, but to, you know, if we're going to bring people together, uh, we, we're a distributed workforce. We're, uh, I'd say, online first uh, versus in-person first. But when we do bring people together, we want to... Uh, we want to bring you know the whole team together for uh, several days or a week and work together and go have dinner together and um, make sure we we can um, help keep keep that kind of closeness. And you you had mentioned how connections are really important for you. Same thing for us. We actually in our in our team meeting that where we brought the whole company together earlier in the year, we talked about. Uh, connectedness being really the theme of that meeting and making connections, uh, and uh, and and it's it's harder now than it used to be, and so it's super important to to focus on that.
0: Well, it's interesting because when I go into companies and, and and speak or I speak at association meetings, that's what I talk about. Is there's this whole epidemic of of loneliness and disconnectedness out there, and people want to feel they belong and. When people think about that topic, they think, oh, that has to do with salespeople getting out in the community, building their reputation, or someone who's looking for a job, going out and networking. What is often overlooked is the fact that when people have friends at work, when they've actually built relationships that go beyond like, you know, just a Slack message, they actually stay at the company longer and they work harder and they're more satisfied, you know, at work. And we found that people who build relationships inside the company and within their industry, actually look at it that they have a career, not just a job. And what we're finding is, is that people who have a job are the ones who are easily to quit fast or to just put in the minimum till they get fired or whatever it is. Whereas people who feel that they have a career and they have these real relationships with people, those are the people who are going the extra yard and getting things done. And really companies that have a culture like that are the ones that are thriving. So it sounds like you're, you're on the right track and in the right, the right, uh, the, the right lane with all the things you're doing.
1: Yeah. Thanks Tom yeah it's uh it's incredibly important you you're right. people they will um, kind of they they want to work as a team and and do it for each other to to ultimately help for us a small business. Uh, but yeah, we' we're, we're all in it together, and um, that that togetherness
0: is incredibly important. All right, Evan, as we wrap this up, if you had an audience of a thousand business leaders listening to you right now, which by the way, you do. What other thing have we not covered that you just wish that every business leader knew when you look around, you go, why don't people know this? Oh
1: gosh. As far as why, I think people know this. Uh, but I mentioned this, uh, for, uh, just a, a minute earlier, which is, uh, I believe the journey is just as important as the, the end result and, and oftentimes more important. So, uh, love what you do, enjoy the journey, uh, and, uh, great results will come. Uh, but, um, that loving that journey part, especially as you just mentioned with your team, I mean, it's a a special thing to do to build a business, run a business with a, a team of folks and just cherishing, cherishing every day. Uh, even when it's hard and it's hard, every day is hard. There's always challenges, but working through them together uh, and and loving that journey is is, is the piece I'd, I'd
0: call out, Tom. That is great advice, and it's actually something that, you know, sometimes when we're, you know, just chasing the destination, something goes awry. We don't always hit the destinations we're trying to in business. I mean, you know, bad things happen, recessions come up, you know, companies go out of business, et cetera. But if you love the journey you're going to be able to get through those hard times, which are going to lead you to the next destination. Uh, and so often people get caught up in the BS that is happening around them. So I love, I love that advice because uh, I had to take it myself a lot the last couple of years is enjoy the journey because that's all you got right now.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for having me, Tom. I really appreciate
0: it. So Evan Singer, CEO of Smart Biz, thank you for being here on Making Waves at Sea Level. If somebody's listening and, and they're like, this Evan guy sounds pretty cool, how do they find you?
1: Uh, they happy to, to take emails If folks want to send an email to Evan at smartbizlawners.com. I'll happy to take a peek at
0: that. Awesome. Sounds great. And thank you to everyone who tuned in and listened to this podcast. Do me a favor, go to Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast joy and be sure to subscribe and leave one of those really fancy reviews that says this podcast sucks less than other podcasts. And go out there and make your own waves in business and have some fun along the way. Enjoy that journey. And whatever you do, find a way to positively impact the people who you encounter every day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger.